0: I'm Charlie Hipwood, CEO of Mass Ventures. And I'm Stacy Swider, an investor at Mass Ventures. And we welcome you to the Fundable Founder, where we'll be exploring relevant topics for technology entrepreneurs to help them succeed in raising capital and in growing their businesses. As a founder who started and ran three companies, I didn't know what I didn't know when I first set out. (laughs) But you eventually figured things out, right? For the most part through trial and error and mentorship but now as a vc i'm frequently advising entrepreneurs on the same topics so stacy and i are here to share that earned wisdom with you along with the experts that we interview on a variety of subjects we are the roadmap to a successful startup is at your fingertips so turn up the volume and grab the keys to success for your fundable founder journey Okay, I'm here today with Yael Avedon, uh, formerly of Jebit, currently with Chewy.com, where you're a Senior Director of Product. Welcome, Yael.
1: Hi, thank you.
0: It's good to see you again. Yeah, Yeah. you know, uh, the product side of things is something that, you know, I don't have a tremendous amount of experience in. It's an area that I always find fascinating and, uh, but, but not an area that I know a ton about. So first, why don't you just tell us, what does a Senior Director of Product do?
1: Okay, so um, I am responsible for a some sort of an area. So in my case, I'm responsible for um, uh, a whole host of products that are doing what's called customer development. So there's uh, a lot of uh, uh, capabilities around a specific discipline uh, and I manage team and I influence a lot of different other teams. And the goal is to basically build something that is not just a feature, something that impacts the entire company. Um and but it's not it's not just one functionality so like you know a senior director senior director versus like you know a director versus like uh it's basically um just a grouping of a lot of different capabilities together and how they together gonna uh impact the company as a whole that was like Got a it. very a lot of hand waving but like I hope <laughs> it made sense
0: it does it does and but uh, what I want to focus on mostly is, launching and scaling a product. And and you've worked at a variety of startups. You've worked at a variety of established companies. I just want to wind it back a little bit to think about how do we think about planning and launching a product? And, you know, I'm going to leave this pretty open-ended. I mean, I would love to hear just kind of your advice on the things to do and don't do as you're thinking about planning and launching a product.
1: Absolutely. And I think it's interesting because there are, Launching and building and planning and launching a product is a very, very different animal depends on who you are, where you are, and in what field. And um, even in my team today, so as you said, I'm coming from a startup background. I've been in a lot of startups, and I've also been in big companies. Even in my team today, I have products that are much more established products or areas of business. And I have a couple of areas that are more startupy in nature where we have no idea what we're about to do.
0: So <laughs> right. Very,
1: very different approaches. Yep. So um, since this is more meant towards um, um, startup and founders, I will focus more on the, the second right. one, which is um, you, you have an idea, you don't have a full notion of exactly, like you're not now building a, a known capability that you have 100% certainty that people are gonna use. Right. So any of you founders that are coming from big companies that are used to building a product in a very methodical way, forget about it. <laughs> quote, like Throwing you need to develop a much yep. more uh, uh, adaptive and agile state of mind. Um, for those of you that are coming more from a, that, like they don't have that experience, that's even working in your favor. Um, when you're launching a product for a startup, um, the there are a couple of things and I'm not saying anything that's like, I think that there's a lot of known like literature on the subject, but the places where, so I would say one thing, and then I will go and kind of talk through a little bit the caveats where I see people fall. When you start launch, when you just launch a product for a startup initially, the goal is really to launch something that is almost more of of a question. So you're basically building an hypothesis And you want to see what the market says you want to see what your customers say you're not building a product yet you're basically trying to answer an hypothesis okay do my are my customers interested in x do they want something that will do y is this going to be useful for x like you're actually trying to answer an hypothesis and you're building a something that is almost like one or two use cases that are very well contained they're not great it's not going to be great but they're very focused and they're supposed to answer an hypothesis and and and, and uh, um, take that to the market and see how customers react to it. Where I see people fall is on a couple of things. Number one, not defining what they want to check. Like they basically just build shit, excuse my French. They just build stuff and they wanna see what's happening. Yep. And then they don't measure it properly and, they, and, and some things happen and they don't know how to react to it. And what the worst thing that happens then is that you get you, you see some success with the product and you get drawn there and you build more stuff there, but then you see more success on the other area and you build there and, and very quickly you find yourself servicing d- different customers and like your product is like all over the place and nothing scales and everything starts to break and you're like freaking out. Um,
0: <laughs> I see that all the time. Yes.
1: <laughs> so the, it's, it's planning and thinking is really like a key part of it because you need to define what's your hypothesis. Like what what are you trying to check? Are you basically saying, I have an hypothesis that small businesses are not gonna be able to do X and Y and therefore Mm -hmm. I wanna do X. Or I have an hypothesis that customers feel like this is like a bad solution and they will come if I build something easier. I don't know, you have an hypothesis, but what, so be specific about your hypothesis and then build something that you're actually gonna be able to to see, okay, is this addressing or not addressing my hypothesis? And then you're able to take it from there. Um, So that's uh, problem number one. Uh, or uh, pitfall number one. Pitfall number two, the last thing a product person should do is fall in love with their solution.
0: Right.
1: Don't fall in love with a solution. Fall in love with a problem. Okay. You are trying to solve a problem, fall in love with the problem. Don't be in a situation like where you're trying to force a solution on a market. Like, you know, some people say, oh, I really want to have a machine learning that will do this and this and this. But yeah. if you sometimes you just need like a simpler, a simpler version of this don't fall in love with the solution. Uh, be very like, you know, fall in love with the problem. Like yeah. try to figure out what is the problem that you're trying and to solve and, and try and a lot of different uh, approaches around that. Um, and the third one is measure, 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 reporting data. Um, gut is interesting, data is better. Yep. Um, I would say these are the three key things that I would say kind of,
0: those are great takeaways, right? I'm, I'm always gonna remember fall in love with the problem and not your solution. That's, that's an absolute takeaway. And then measure. My question is, you come up with your hypothesis, who do you decide to test it on? Like, how do you get, who, who do you decide those early testers of the hypothesis are gonna be? Because, you know, I'm, I, I see a lot of startups, they're afraid to go out with something that's very basic and get that feedback because they don't want to lose that person as a potential customer, because they see this thing that isn't quite what they need yet, you know? How do you decide on getting those first uh, testers of your hypothesis?
1: So, so you're describing like a, a B2B, you're not describing a consumer product.
0: It could be B2B, yeah.
1: Because I think for consumer, it's a little bit more straightforward. Basically. That's probably true. It's a little bit more straightforward. Uh, with the B2B, I think this is where you can, um, um, this is where friends and family becomes. It depends on the stage you are. If you're really, really, really just getting started, this is where friends and family are. Mm-hmm. Uh, or you, you, to your point, you don't go to the uh, to the big guns, but you you are trying to um, um, uh, leverage existing. I mean, many of the the startups that I've been at. That were enterprise focused, as as you know, um, a lot of the initial customers were uh, past relationships. Right. So there is a warm intro going in. Uh, so you're leveraging a warm intro, and obviously, along with that comes with you know the classic. You'll be able to impact the product as we go in. Um, and you're also able to kind of um, validate your hypothesis. But it's definitely, I mean, I can give you like a lot of beautiful stories, but the reality is that a lot of it is gonna be warm intros.
0: And And how do you interact with those first, you know, users, test users? What kind of questions are you asking? What are you looking for in feedback to either validate your hypothesis or, you know, switch your hypothesis? I mean, those, that's gotta be a tough interaction that just takes experience what what are you trying to accomplish and what questions do you ask
1: the one thing that i would say is and again it really depends on like how early you are or um the one thing that i would always caveat from is that people are nice yes and you don't want to be you know it's like death by a thousand cuts we or death by a thousand smiles where people you you show this to product the folks the the people are like you know they're going to be so nice and oh my god this is great this is fantastic but when you actually look at the usage data you see that they haven't logged in in a week right so um i am so in these type of interactions in general I think that there is a room for open-ended question that where people are gonna be nice because sometimes you will find that one person that didn't learn to be nice and they're actually will give you awesome feedback, which is fantastic, <laughs> but I actually, This is where the data is, your friend. So if you have good instrumentation, you're actually able to see usage and you see potentially, there are a lot of tools that we've used in past companies like, uh, uh, you know, Full Story and and things like that, where you can actually see user sessions. So you can actually see where people get stuck or if people are, you know, a classic thing, people are uh, something that we've seen at the beginning of like when we were developing um, uh, one of the self-serve tools at Jabet, where we've seen people stand on the page and then you see the cursor, Right. And people just, they're stuck. They're not doing anything. And you realize that someone is confused and they don't know what to do.
0: Yep. Yep. So
1: you, you basically do your research. You leverage the information that you've learned in order to inform either directly or indirectly the question that you're going to ask the customer. So you're not asking them what you like and what you don't like. You can, you can basically see if you see that they stuck, they're stuck on a specific capability. You basically can direct your question around that capability. So you use the data to inform, to understand, um, if there is a problem with it's could be right. So the two key issues is uh, it's it's not it's it's a nice to have, it's not important enough. Right. Uh, or the or the second th- thing is it is important enough, but I just couldn't figure out how couldn't
0: to use it. Couldn't figure it out,
1: right? So trying to, to understand that. Me,
0: yeah, and so that leads me to another question, and that's on the early product that you're showing and testing, how important is the user interface or the user experience? Because I know. Even when I do basic stuff at my company and I'm like, oh, hey, check out our new website. The first response I usually get from people has to do with how it looks right, (laughs) and how it feels, not not if it's got what they need. And so how how much time do you focus on UI UX early in the process?
1: I would say this, and this is controversial, and I've had a lot of discussions, a lot of heated conversations uh, with past CEOs about this conversation, about this thing. Um, so this is one man's, one woman's opinion. I think that earlier on in the stage where you're still, you're, you're not yet in the mass adoption cycle of the product. You're still in the fan or the, the, the first adopter stage. The first adopters, by definition, will be the people to whom you're solving a really big problem. That's right. If, you, if, 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 if that's not the case, you are solving the wrong problem. But by definition, in the first stage, you're solving a problem for the people that really have, this is a big problem for them. UI UX is not, in my view, important in that stage. I think it's functionality. And if you're solving a big problem to someone and you're giving them the functionality, they will will just suffer through the workflow, but they will (laughs) use the functionality. Later on, sorry go ahead
0: no I was gonna say is it also the is the flip side true if you show it to somebody and all they care about is the UI or the UX and not the functionality maybe their problems' not big enough <laughs> I, I think
1: that they're just it's gonna be cute the problem is that if you're showing them a really really nice UI but the functionality because at the beginning of the the journey you need to make trade-offs you don't have a big enough engineering team to have a beautiful UI and functionality that just doesn't That's exist, right. you need to prioritize. That's so right. if you just build a beautiful UI that doesn't do much, you will have someone coming in, you will have the classic play and leave. Right. You will only get stickiness if you're actually solving a real problem with the functionality, so UI can suck. When you later get to the adoption stage of your, of your product, then you need to start simplifying UI. Okay. UI happens later down the road once you've established a classic product market fit. Yep. Um, initially, I think that UI UX is less important.
0: That's great. No, I, I, I agree, but I have much less experience than you. And so I, I'm glad that, um, that you, you've given that advice because that's something I've seen work in the past. And uh, I think too many early stage founders get caught up in the UI UX uh, and not the functionality, unfortunately. We um, need to solve
1: the problem. Yeah, at the end of the day, yeah.
0: And and so, at what point, like, how much feedback do you need to get from those early users? The data, the the, the oral feedback you get from them, before you kind of say, you know what, we we we're we're on to something here, and we need to we need to focus one hundred percent on X, Y, and Z. Is it is it more of a does it vary, or is there like it just kind of a do you have a set kind of prescription for figuring this out?
1: I want to see a, um, uh, and we've gone through this exactly in my, in my past startup. Um, I want to see a sizable amount of users become fans. Okay. That is a good early sign. It doesn't have to be 50 to, to a B2B product, right? right. I mean, it doesn't have to be 50. If you have for an early uh, um, stage, like B2B product, uh, if you have like, you know, 10, 15 people, and I'm talking about the self-serve product. I mean, we can talk about products that are not, but like uh, for self-serve product, if you, I remember in the first time when we launched a, um, uh, a more of a self-serve um, um, uh, mass market version of the Jabit platform, um, it took a while, but then we started actually seeing, um, you starting to see users, come back daily. Like you're starting to see that persistent use and you're yep. starting to see that cohorts grow. Then you know you, you, you nailed it. Then you know that you have it.
0: Yep, that's awesome. Um, we're just about out of time. Do you have any other final words of advice or words of wisdom you'd like to pass along?
1: Um, I, I, I mean, I cannot overstress data. Yep. And uh, being very objective about the data okay I, I can't overstress this uh like it's it's um look look at the customer look what customers do they will always surprise you but look at the data
0: and be objective i like it i've, I've taken away several great words of wisdom here piece of advice really appreciate you uh sharing your experience with everyone uh thank you so much and hope to uh, see you around
1: same here thank you very much i enjoyed it
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of The Fundable Founder. Please go to our website at mass-ventures.com for more information on Mass Ventures and where you can also find other episodes just like this.